Shall we turn our Bibles to the prophecy of Malachi in chapter 1 and we're going to read a couple of, uh, two or three key verses um, from chapter 1 that will help us to understand what God wants to uh, speak to us this morning. Malachi chapter 1 and we read verse 5 and then we read verse 11. And verse 14, 5, 11, and 14. Would somebody read it aloud for us? But cursed be the deceiver who has in his flock a male and makes a vow but sacrifices to the Lord what is blemished for I am a great king says the Lord of hosts and my name is to be feared among the nations. Amen. Amen. Let's go back into these three verses we just read. Verse 5 says you will see it with your own eyes and say great is the Lord even beyond the borders of Israel. In verse 11, my name will be great among the nations from the rising to the setting of the sun. In every place, incense and pure offerings will be brought to my name because my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord Almighty. Verse 14, cursed is the cheat who has acceptable male in his flock and vows to give it, but then sacrifices a blemished animal to the Lord. For I am a great king, says the Lord Almighty, and my name is to be feared among the nations. Do you see a repetitive pattern in these three verses that we just read? Talking about the greatness of God. Talking about how the name of the Lord will be um, uh, heard beyond the borders. Will be exalted beyond the borders uh, of Israel. And um, his name will be great among the nations. And uh, his name is to be feared among the nations. God is speaking through Malachi the prophet to the people of Israel. Calling them to fear him. That's the crux of the message of Malachi as you read through the whole prophecy of Malachi. A call to fear God. A call to fear God once again. Because the people have lost the fear of God. We find that God is bringing about uh, several accusations against the people of Israel. Uh, specifically, in fact, people of Judah here. And calling them back to fear him once again. And pointing to them the fact that they have lost the uh, fear of God that they must have. And that's something that can happen as uh, life begins to pick up and uh, as we begin to do well in life. There are times in our life where we have uh, struggled through, we have been through um, you know, the difficulties and the painful experiences. We have been through the times of desperate need. We've been through the times where when we began in life, we didn't have anything much where we struggled for uh, many, many basic necessities, where we had so many things that we uh, you know, desired for and we couldn't even dream of them. But there have, has come a time after we have sincerely sought the Lord for a while, God has been gracious to us and we have found favor in His eyes. And as we begin to find favor in His eyes, the blessings keep coming upon us. One by one, God keeps adding, uh, showering us with blessings. 
uh, be it with good health, be it with a good life partner, with good education, with a good job, with good incomes, uh, with good businesses, with uh, good uh, you know, prospects for the future, uh, with uh, a quick leap uh, in our lives and we see ourselves progress pretty fast. And then there comes a time when uh, you find that you, know, you had children and then the children have grown up and probably they've also started working and they've started earning and the uh, eventually naturally uh, they begin to and if in, in our times in our generation they earn many many times more than what uh, probably our parents earn their whole lifetime they earn it in a month or so <laughs> some of them <laughs> waited to you know waited for pension and expected for good pension to come and Today, people are not bothered about pension anymore. You know, you have more than enough for several generations. Why worry about even pension? Uh, that's an outdated thing today. But that's the way people have moved on in today's world. And um, being a child of God and, uh, uh, you know, being blessed by the Lord, uh, there is so much that we have received in abundance. And over a period of time, what can happen is we can begin to lose the fear of God. And that, that genuine, authentic fear, that sincere fear, that reverence. And even last Sunday we heard uh, pastors speak about how we need to stand in reverence and in awe of God. And that we begin to lose as time goes on. And also as uh, we con- come to know Christ more and more, as we grow in our walk with the Lord and we become familiar with His Word, we become familiar with prayer, we become familiar with uh, church, we become familiar with worship, we begin become familiar with everything. And sometimes familiarity also t- takes us away from the Lord. So familiarity, too much of these things and, and quite a good knowledge of all of these things and uh, looking at others and assuming that we know better and we've experienced more and God is speaking to us and God is doing these things, God is answering our prayers, we've experienced these miracles and all of these, we can get super saturated with these things and day in and day out watching Christian television and hearing so much about Jesus and everything, we can over a period of time lose the genuine fear of God. And that's what has happened to the people of Israel because they had been exiled in Babylon and they have come back, Nehemiah and Ezra, because of their uh, sincere prayer and their repentance and the vision that God put on their hearts and uh, the passion with which they worked. You know, God opened a way through them and they were able to come back to Israel while uh, they had been in Babylon, banished in Babylon for 70 long years in captivity. Now they come back. And it's probably over a hundred years now after they've come back and re- rebuilt their lives and rebuilt the walls, rebuilt the temple, rebuilt, uh, you know, everything and they've settled down well. The blessings have come. And that's where right in the beginning itself when God spoke through uh, Moses in Deuteronomy, you find that God warned them, cautioned them saying, after you have built your houses, after you have planted your vineyards and after you reaped your harvest and after you got everything and all is going well with you, do not forget the Lord your God. That's something God cautioned them right at the beginning. And that's an area where the people of Israel kept failing again and and again and several times again and again. And the and the Lord continued to send his prophets to call them back to him. And that's one of the key roles of what a prophet would do. A prophet's calling is primarily to call people to God. And you find the prophet Malachi doing the same thing. No different uh, like any other prophet. But here is prophet Malachi 
speaking to the people of Israel and calling them back to him. And probably uh, these settlers uh, have now, after they had all of these blessings and everything has gone well, no more in captivity, everything is rebuilt now and will settle and probably a few generations have just passed by and now third or the fourth generation is now, you know, getting shaky. It begins with a first generation which is very spiritual and they've experienced the wonders of God. They've gone through hell and they've, uh, you know, uh, hit rock bottom and somehow survived and they held on to the grace of God very passionately. They know that but for the grace of God and but for the prayer that they have to pray every day, you know, life wouldn't go on for them another another moment and so they become they are one generation is very much passionate very much dependent on the lord very much submitted to the lord serving the lord committed to the lord and then the next generation comes and uh, they are no more suffering as the previous generation did because they have sought the Lord. The first generation sought the Lord. The second generation is now quite blessed because of that. And they are reaping the harvest of what the earlier generation sowed. And so now things have gone well. And so slowly they begin to lose that intensity of seeking the Lord and following His ways and following His word. And they begin to lose that passion and that sincere, genuine fear of God. And they begin to be a little bit callous and they begin to plateau you know they're not growing anymore they're not serving the lord anymore as passionately as their parents did and what happens is that second generation begins to move into uh, what we call as nominalism they uh, they are just nominal christians they're christians because and they continue with whatever the parents have done and they're doing that and they know that yes god has been good and they continue to follow the ways of the lord and then comes a third generation if they are not continued uh, to be revived and renewed in the lord what happens is they just move into what is called as traditionalism you know traditions just uh, tradition kicks in they just follow the lord as a mere tradition simple tradition it's just because they've been born in a christian family it's because they have a christian name it's because they have a christian culture and they just are used to going to church you know some others go to some other places of worship because we are christians we go to church and so they end up going to a church and and then probably uh, some of them drop out a little bit and once in a while during festival days and during birthdays and during wedding days and anniversary days and uh, auspicious days in their life they would go to church that's mere traditionalism. They just follow some traditions. They would, you know, go on a <clears throat> Ash Wednesday and get the, uh, or a Palm Sunday and get that cross, uh, you know, and uh, fix it on the doorpost or above the photograph of Jesus. And uh, it would just stay there drying up till the next Palm Sunday comes. And um, it just becomes a mere tradition. And they don't even know why they do what they do. And they show up at church for uh, the, some of the good and the bad reasons. But they still got a membership. Because they need a priest or a pastor or a father. Somebody to come and do the rituals whenever they need him to do them. Uh, they move into tradition. That's the third generation. And if the third generation is not revived, it moves to the next uh, into what is called a secularism uh, now it's okay all uh, all read all roads lead to rome and uh, so it's fine whatever you know somebody else be believes in something and we believe in something uh, whatever i don't even know what i believe in i don't know why i do what i do um, that that is moving on into just simply secularism very pluralistic oh we become very progressive thinkers uh, we become very postmodern in our thinking and we read such kind of books and uh, watch such kind of videos and end up in a very secular frame of mind there's nothing that we really have uh, to do with God you see the fourth generation moving into that 
and very often uh, uh, statistics says by the time the fourth generation comes about you know they literally completely even renounce god from their lives they have nothing to do with god they have no knowledge of god um, and then comes uh, next uh, probably or somewhere around this time they move into what is called as atheism also some of them even slip off into atheism or into some other belief system that's how it is if the fear of god is lost in a generation you know we can be fearing god uh, and probably our, our parents uh, really had that sincere fear of god and probably we are the ones who have missed it or we are losing it slowly we need to come back to fear god again or probably we are the third generation or the fourth generation and uh, the earlier generations truly passionately served the lord and sought the lord and probably we have slipped into Uh, traditionalism or just nominal uh, as a namesake christian uh, just attending a service because oh you know that's part of our family culture that's part of our christian culture we need to come back to really have a genuine fear of god the lord is calling us to fear him once again and that's the message that he was speaking through malachi the prophet probably malachi uh, lived uh, between uh, 500 to 300 bc somewhere around that time uh, before christ and um, Malachi his name itself means messenger and so he is bringing God's message to the people of God now after as i said the captives are come out of exile and this is probably the third or the fourth generation now and now this is the uh, need of the hour and God is speaking to um, uh, through Malachi to the people of Israel now they continue to live without any sense of realization they have gone into all kinds of ways and and god is really displeased with them but they are still continuing to do some rituals as well they are offering the sacrifices they are bringing the offerings but yet there are things in their life which is not fine and so god is speaking to them and calling them to fear him and so this morning i pray that god will revive amongst us a genuine sincere fear of god once again and uh, there are three areas that we're going to focus on uh, from the prophecy of Malachi and uh, to I've just clustered them together for a better understanding and for a quick meditation this morning into three uh, points uh, that captures the idea of how God is calling them to fear him once again the first thing he's uh, is look up god is calling us to look up look up and and begin to have a sense of realization uh, as we reflect on who god is look up and secondly look in look into our own lives examine where we are at and see in the light of god's word if there is anything of what was found in the people of israel found in us as well look in and thirdly with hope we look ahead knowing the fact that god is a god of restoration wanting to us to reconcile with him and be restored back so that he could bless us once again look ahead amen can we all say that together look up look in and look ahead amen hallelujah let's go on quickly are you ready malachi chapter 1 and we read verses 2 to 5 I have loved you says the Lord but you ask how have you loved us was not Esau Jacob's brother the Lord says yet I have loved Jacob but Esau I have hated and I have turned his mountains into a wasteland and left his inheritance to the desert jackals Edom may say though we have been crushed we will rebuild the ruins but this is what the Lord almighty says 
they may build but i will demolish they will be called the wicked land a people always under the wrath of the lord you will say, see it with your own eyes and say great is the lord even beyond the borders of israel god is speaking about the uh, destruction that he's going to send upon the uh, upon esau and uh, the people the edomites and in contrasting with that he's talking about how he loved jacob you know jacob and esau are brothers esau the elder one jacob the younger one and the bible says that god chose jacob and did not choose esau uh, it looks like god is uh, sometimes a partial god we know that god is not a partial god we know that he is not a respecter of persons he loves everybody the same but it looks like as we read here um, you know how have you loved us you ask was not jake esau jacob's brother the lord says yet i have loved jacob but esau i have hated uh huh how is that god says i love jacob but i hate esau is not god a you know uh, impartial god what is this it's like one of those tough questions an atheist will ask <laughs> you know oh it sounds like god is very impartial but you know god has a sovereign choice that he has made on jacob for a particular purpose and the love hate here is not uh, uh, it does not imply a literal hatred like men hate one with another it's not that kind of hatred but it's speaking about a choice that god made one over the other and he's choosing the younger one over the older one with a purpose to show that even with what is assumed to be a second level normally the older one uh, receives the inheritance of the father in the name of the father and takes a place of that inheritance but here is god going for the second one and saying i am god i choose whom i want to choose i am sovereign over everything for my purpose what i want to accomplish i would choose what i want amen is just speaking about god's authority over man that god is god man is man god makes his choice over what he wants to accomplish but he's got a good purpose through all of this that's what it means but he's provoking the people of israel by saying i have loved you i have loved you but jacob was your esau was your brother but i have hated him he's provoking them and he's saying hey look at this i have loved you god opens up the conversation to the people of israel with his love amen what a good god we have he's not opening the conversation with an accusation with a judgment with wrath with anger yes he is angry about certain things but he is opening up the conversation with love god comes to them and says i have loved you but you ask how have you how have you loved us this is how i have loved you he's explaining and he says was not esau jacob's brother the lord says i yet i have loved jacob but esau i have hated and i have turned this mountains into a wasteland left his inheritance to the desert jackals you see here god is speaking about his unconditional love and by the way jacob himself is no great saint isn't that true the very name jacob means supplanter you know he's a deceiver and just as his name goes he deceived and stole the blessing uh, his you know the blessing of the brother from his father 
and just as his name goes he uh, you know he lived in his life and he lived it out in his life but yet god has an unconditional love on jacob hallelujah and so while we look up this morning to come back to fear god once again god wants us to love uh, realize that he has loved us unconditionally he has chosen us the very fact that you've been chosen by god the very fact that you've been handpicked by god well there are millions and millions of people in the world out there who yet do not know the lord god has chosen us look at your own larger family probably you have uh, you know close relatives blood relatives who yet don't know the lord but god has revealed himself to us god has brought us into his kingdom amen hallelujah that's nothing but a miracle that's just the grace of god god has chosen us with a purpose so that we will touch their lives amen hallelujah and so we realize this morning as we look up to god we realize that of his unconditional love as uh, the scripture contrasts with the way he has chosen us and also you realize that he is sovereign how is he sovereign verse 3 you read that you know he says jacob i loved esau i hated and i have turned his mountains into a wasteland left his inheritance to the desert jackals he has made a sovereign choice and he does what he wants to do and he is an all authority and he executes judgment upon those who don't fear him upon those who don't love him upon those who don't follow him and he's done that he is in all authority he makes a sovereign choice his love is unconditional he's sovereign and he's also almighty the bible says that in verse 5 you will see it with your own eyes uh sorry in verse 4 edom say may say though we have been crushed we will rebuild the ruins but this is what the lord almighty says even though the people of um uh edom thought that they could rebuild their own lives by themselves god is saying no you can't do it by yourself but what's going to happen here it's going to uh, you know even if you rebuild i will demolish they will be called the wicked land a people always under the wrath of god you will see it with your own eyes and say great is the lord even beyond the borders of israel Hallelujah. God is an almighty, all-powerful God. God is the one who is able to do what only he would do. Amen. He is the one who is bringing judgment even if they think that they can rebuild their lives. No, it's not going to happen. They can't rebuild it by themselves. You know, they what they rebuild will not stand even if they rebuild it will fall god is able to make it fall. So thereby God is saying to them, I am the almighty God. I am the most powerful one. You know, you think you can do things by your strength? No, I can bring that down. And so this morning as we as God is calling us to fear him, to come back to that fear, have that fear of God, that awesome reverence toward God. He wants us to look up and realize that he's a God of unconditional love. And we realize that God has chosen us, and so it's important that we love him back, that we revere him. because if he has not chosen us we would have perished in our sin if he had not chosen us the devil would have devoured our lives if he had not chosen us we would have gone hopeless if he had not chosen us and if his love had not reached out to us probably we would have even ended up our lives and 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 lost our lives and been doomed to hell but because god made a sovereign choice over our lives and that god is almighty executing judgment on those who do evil and by that we realize this morning and to come back to have an awesome fear of the almighty god hallelujah amen have you forgotten that the lord loves you still 
Is there somebody this morning who does not realize that the sovereign Lord is sovereign over your life, that he has made a choice over your life? He has chosen you. Do you realize that? And do you realize this morning, do you understand that he is almighty and he is able to punish the wicked? Hallelujah. He's an all-powerful God and his name is going to be revered even beyond the borders of Israel. Which means even those who don't know the Lord will begin to fear him. That's how awesome our God is. And so as we look up this morning, look to him, may we realize that he loves us unconditionally and he's sovereign over our lives and he's the almighty one who is able to punish the wicked where even the nations around, even the ungodly, even the wicked, even those who do not know him will begin to fear him. Hallelujah. And so as we realize, as we look up to him, let's uh, begin to have that fear of God. And surely the fear of God will be aroused within us. And that's what God was aiming to do for the people of Israel. He wanted them to fear him because they have lost that fear of God. And you're going to see in the next point how they lost the fear of God. And by calling them to, you know, realization of who he is and how he has loved them, how he is sovereign and how he is almighty to punish the wicked. He's calling them to fear him. Continue to read there. The second point we're going to look at is God is calling us to look in inward and see how our life is in, in reflection of God's word. And he's pointing out these things to the people of Israel so that they will realize what is wrong with them and why the fear of God has gone away. And by that they will be able to set right those areas in their lives and they will begin to fear the Lord once again. There are two groups of people to whom he's speaking to. The one group of people... Uh, are the priests. He's speaking to the priests first and then he's coming to the people. All right. While we read this, you find in chapter 1 and verse 6 itself, you find this is the, what God is saying in Malachi 1, 6. A son honors his father and a servant his master. If I am a father, where is the honor due me? If I am a master, where is the respect due me? Says the Lord Almighty, it is you, O priest, who show contempt for my name. But you ask, how have we shown contempt for your name? You see, the people of Israel have been asking questions. They've been questioning God. They've been asking questions in their own lives. Is God truly loving us? And then the second question they have been asking here is, how have we shown contempt in your name? Contempt for your name. And God is saying, if you consider me as your father, should you not honor me? If you consider me as your master, where is the respect? Do you mean? God is speaking to them about their irreverence. That they've been irreverential to him. They've not been honoring him. They've not showing, been showing respect to him. They, they, they simply don't care about him. They don't even bother about him. They don't even, uh, you know, honor him. They don't uh, recognize his presence. They don't rever him. That fear of God is lost there. And so God is calling them to look in. And God confronts the people of Israel and the priests first and rebukes the priests and the people equally. And you find there that, that you know, sometimes it's better that we confront ourselves before we are confronted by what we do. Amen. Here the people have been confronted by what they have done. But today, this morning, we have the privilege of listening to God's word. And let the word of God confront us. And we confront ourselves. And let the spirit of the Lord confront us. Before we are confronted by 
what we do. That woman who was caught in the act of adultery was brought by the Pharisees in the presence of Jesus. And uh, they also pronounced the verdict saying, in the law of Moses it says, a woman who is adulterous should be stoned to death. They come asking him, so what do you say? She's literally brought before Jesus and, and, and between uh, the Pharisees and Jesus, she's literally like a pawn in their hands. Any one of them could uh, simply determine her destiny, her fate. She was confronted by what she did. And it's better we confront ourselves before we are confronted by what we do. Amen? Hallelujah. And so here the Lord wants us to realize and be confronting. And the word of God will confront us this morning. The spirit of the Lord will confront us. In verse 6, irreverence. Do we find irreverence in us? Do we really honor him as our father? Do we really respect him in, uh, as our master? It's you, O priest, who show contempt for my name, he says. And then verses 7 to 9. You place defiled food on my altar. Oh, this is how they have shown contempt. They put defiled food on my altar. But you ask, how have we defiled you? By saying that the Lord's table is contemptible. When you bring blind animals to sacrifice, is that not wrong? When you sacrifice crippled or diseased animals, is that not wrong? Try offering them to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you, says the Lord Almighty? Oh, can you accept, you know, offer something defiled, something spoiled to your governor? Do you think he will accept you? Do you think he will be pleased with you? This is simply disobedience to the law of God because the law clearly prescribes what they ought to bring when they bring a sacrifice. This is how the sheep, the lamb or the goat must be. This is how it should be clean. This is how it should be without any defilement. God had already prescribed when they bring the grain offerings or the thank offerings, whatever they bring before the Lord, you know, for the people of Israel, he prescribed a certain way they ought to do it and they simply disobeyed the law of God. And so this morning is a disobedience which has taken away the fear of God from our lives. And, and then you find in verses 12 and 13, but you profane it by saying of the Lord's table, it is defiled and of its food, it is contemptible. And you say, what a burden. And you sniff at it contemptuously, says the Lord Almighty. They're sniffing at it, at the offerings, at the sacrifices, at the table of the Lord, contemptuously. It's simply cynicism. Oh, what is this? Is uh, a sense of doubt, is a sense of, as if, is this all worthwhile? Is this all great? What is so great about all of these offerings and sacrifices? What is great about doing all this to God? It's a sense of cynicism. That's what the people had in their minds. When they looked at the sacrifices and, and the food and everything that they were offering. In verse 14, Cursed is the cheat who has an acceptable meal in his flock and vows to give it. But then sacrifices a blemished animal to the Lord. For I am a great king, says the Lord Almighty, and my name is to be feared among the nations. You see, they lost the fear of God. And uh, here is what uh, you look at as hypocrisy. 
they they see that they have a good male good lamb without blemish which they could sacrifice and they vow to do that and they say lord i'm going to give this to you and would you bless me would you do this miracle in my life and they pray and god blesses them and god does a miracle god saves them god protects them god heals them and then they go and give a blemished animal it was hypocrisy they lied they cheated they lived a double life on the outside they promised one thing but on the inside they did another thing that was hypocrisy and then if you come to chapter 2 and verse 9 so i have caused you to be despised and humiliated before all the people because you have not followed my ways but i have shown partiality in the matters of the law while they judge the offenses of people they themselves offended the law today one of the biggest law breakers are the law makers themselves <laughs> the law enforcers themselves are the law breakers and that's what happened in that day while they were supposed to enforce the law and judge righteously in the matters of the law in the disputes that they dealt with in the people of israel they were impartial sorry they were partial and they offended the law itself they broke the law and so there was an offense a partiality and they showed they were not kind to the victim and they were not righteous in their judgments to pronounce the right judgments and so you find these were the problems that the priests had this is how they did not fear god and so god is calling them to look inward and he's pointing out these things to them and saying hey you've been irreverential you've been disobedient you've been cynical you've been hypocritical and you've been offending the law by being partial in the matters of the law you've been partial in your judgments you've taken sides you you've not stood with those who have been uh, victims and those who have uh, you know incurred loss but you've stood with those who are high and mighty and strong you've not stood with the oppressed and the helpless they have been impartial and so god is calling them and saying these are things you have done this is how you lost the fear of god and this is how the the lack of fear of god begins to manifest and if there is anything like this in our lives it's important that we confront ourselves with them and with the word of god and allow the scriptures to confront us this morning and uh, the second part of this is where god is confronting the people we've been talking about the priests this is how the priests have been living and if the priests themselves live this way what do you think would be the condition of the people oh that's the same way it would be in chapter 2 and verse 10 to 12 have we not all one father did not one god created us create us why do we profane the covenant of our fathers by breaking faith with one another judah has broken faith a detestable thing has been committed in israel and in jerusalem judah has desecrated the sanctuary the lord loves by marrying the daughter of a foreign god and then verse 12 as for the man who does this whoever he may be may the lord cut him off from the tents of jacob even though he brings offerings to the lord almighty here's intermarriage with the the ungodly with the uh, you know those who are idolaters they were intermarrying with unbelievers they were intermarrying with people who do not know god they who do not follow god they were intermarrying with people who are pagans and beginning to follow their pagan cultures this is what solomon also did while solomon was blessed by the lord with great wisdom but yet because he married foreign wives 
the bible says clearly they took him away from the lord and that's what can happen and that's what right when i began i talked about how in one generation we could be spiritual and then move into nominalism then into traditionalism and then into secularism and then to ultimately even atheism or following another faith you see that's what happens you know when a generation fails to fear god when the generation be- fails to take the next generation and raise them up in the fear of god when the next generation does not marry you know people who fear god what happens is that generation after generation they slip away from god and they lose the fear of god completely and that's what happens intermarriage with the pagans intermarrying with the ungodly intermarrying with those who don't follow the truth it takes them away from god they lose the fear of god and uh, something else with the people there verse 13 to 16 let's read in chapter 2 another thing you do you see one by one god is just piling up one by one another thing you do you flood the lord's altar with tears oh remember these people are still going to church these people can still cry and pray These people can still offer sacrifices. These people are still bringing everything. They're bringing food. They're bringing sacrifices. They're doing everything according to the law, ritualistically. Just as a matter of custom. Just as a matter of tradition. Just as a matter of form. Just as a matter of lip service. Oh, those crocodile tears come when they pray, come to the presence of God. And they think that because they're just shedding tears, God will hear them. but god is looking beyond those tears he's looking behind those eyes that produce those tears he sees what is going on on the inside amen hallelujah praise the lord we can impress a whole lot of people by our tears and our prayers sometimes when we pray we pray oh god you know how faithful i have been you know a very a very tearful prayer but even with no tears but god is not impressed with all of those great eloquence god is not impressed and he doesn't get carried away by those tears and those you know shaky voices amen god looks beyond it hallelujah and the bible says here you know what another thing you do in verse 13 to 16 another thing you do you flood the lord's altar with tears you weep and wail because he no longer pays attention to your offerings or accepts them with pleasure from your hands while we could still be giving and giving while we could still be sowing and sowing while we could still be saying oh yes let me you know do this and let me do that we could be doing everything well on the outside but yet there are certain things that are going on deep inside and you ask why it is because the lord is acting as a witness between you and the wife of your youth because you have broken faith with her though she is your partner the wife of your marriage covenant has not the lord made them one in flesh and spirit they are his and why one because he was seeking godly offspring so guard yourself in your spirit and do not break faith with the wife of your youth i hate divorce says the lord god of israel and i hate a man's covering himself with violence as well as with his garment says the lord almighty so guard yourself with spirit and do not break faith what what has happened is they've you know gone into divorce the possibility of uh, you know just giving away a slip <laughs> moses said give a certificate of divorce that's what the pharisees came and asked jesus isn't it when they talk asked a question about divorce 
He said, oh, Moses said you can give a certificate of divorce. Because the people, uh, the men were exploiting the women and they were oppressing the women and they took them for granted and they, they would marry and then immediately just for any trivial reason, they would just forsake them and go with another person. And so to make it a little tight, he was just, he couldn't stop the divorce. He was tightening, trying to tighten the noose around them, around the neck and said, if you divorce, give a certificate so that simply you don't walk out by saying some two, three words. And so what has happened is that has given room for greater advantage and, and people have gone into, you know, immorality and adultery because they don't care. The fear of God is lost. And so they are not treating marriage as a covenant. The Bible says marriage is honorable above all. Amen. Hallelujah. God honors marriage and marriage is a covenant. It's, it's very different from a contract. A contract is where two parties are agreeing to uh, fulfill their obligations toward each other when the other would also be faithful. And so if one person, you know, breaks the contract and that's what is called as breach of contract. If one person fails to fulfill their obligations, the other person also uh, stops fulfilling, fulfilling their obligations to the other party. But that's where a covenant is very different. A covenant is, is where when you make a promise, it is forever. Hallelujah. Even if the other person is unfaithful, it is not broken. Hallelujah. Amen. And God is saying, I hate divorce. It's a covenant. It's something that you make forever. It's not just something that you do today and break tomorrow. And that's why God said, you know what? God has joined together. Let not man put asunder. Why did he say, let not man put asunder what God has joined together? Because marriage is something where God brings two people in, 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 a, in a holy, godly union with each other, both in flesh and in spirit. That's what the Bible says. That's what the Bible says. And any form of relationship outside of the relationship of marriage is what is called as adultery. And if anybody is living an adulterous life, we must renounce it. Amen. We cannot be in a marriage relationship and have another relationship with a person of the opposite sex. Whether it be at a superficial emotional level or whether it be at a physical level, whatever be it, it is sin in the presence of God. Hallelujah. And so God is speaking to the people of Israel and is saying, you've been crying, you've been wailing, you've been praying. But even with all of that, why I don't hear you is because there is intermarriage with the, you know, idol worshippers around. There's immorality, there's divorce. And today it's even more becoming common because of the possibility of a remarriage. And so people have taken, you know, their marriage relationship so lightly and they break it so easily. It's easy to break it. It's very difficult to build it up again. They think that this, you know, while they struck a deal and then they had an ordeal, they think that they can make a new deal now. But they don't realize the new deal could be worse than the old deal. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. So rather stick with the old one. Amen. Stay with the known devil than the unknown angel. Sorry. Divorce is sin. Hallelujah. 
that's what that's why the prayers are not being answered this is what the people were doing intermarriage divorce and then verse 17 come down to 217 you have wearied the lord with your words oh spewing a volume of words how have we wearied you they ask by saying all who do evil are good in the eyes of the lord and he is pleased with them or where is the god of justice they are upset with god because god is doing good for all those who are doing evil they saying i have been so faithful i have been doing well they assuming that they are doing well here <laughs> he already see the list of things that is wrong with them but they assuming that they are better off than others and they looking at you know how others are prospering and the wicked are prospering the evil doers are doing well and they growing in their lives and they are having money and they are wearing you know having great wealth and they go look at their jewelry look at their outfits look at their buildings look at their houses look at their cars look at the growth look at the way they're flourishing and looking at all of this they're wondering oh god is pleased with the evil doers where is the god of justice they're raising their fist against god and god is saying you wearied me with all of these questions this is an indifferent spirit to god they have not understood god the right way just because they are unable to confront themselves with their faults and come to a realization and a commitment to god they they're shifting the blame on god and saying oh god is so unjust to us that's a that's an expression of cover up it's an expression of cover up shifting the blame on someone else and come down to chapter 3 in verses 7 to 10 one of the most famous passages of tele preachers chapter 3 in verse 7 to 10 Even ever since the time of your forefathers you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them return to me and i will return to you says the lord almighty but you ask how are we to return he is just speaking on those questions that the people have asked whatever they have spoken in their mind whatever they have thought in their mind you know even this morning as he was leading us in worship he kept talking about you know what we speak how it's dangerous is power in our tongue and when we speak certain things uh, unwisely foolishly in our ignorance and uh, in a way to cover up our faults and fail to confront ourselves uh, god will challenge us with the very same things that we thought we could confront god with <laughs> no one can ever confront god and succeed no one can ever question god and succeed god is sovereign god is almighty god is just god is right always Hallelujah. God is right always. Amen. He's never wrong in one little thing. And so we can never question him. We can never shift the blame back on him. We can never do that. And that's what they were doing. When he said return to me, they're saying how can we return to you? What have what wrong have we done? We are with you. Look at our tears, look at our prayers, look at our offerings, look at our sacrifices. We are there in the temple. what way do you want to return to you in what way have we done wrong maybe he's talking to his our neighbors probably maybe that's what they assumed but he's saying in you know you ask how are we to return god is saying was eight will a man rob god whenever they ask a question he puts a counter question will a man rob god oh how do we rob you in tithes and offerings you are under a curse the whole nation of you because you are robbing me bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house 
Test me in this and says the Lord Almighty and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. God is even saying he's, he's raised up such an argument by this time and he's even come to the point and saying, test me and see if I will not be faithful. I'm not just throwing these empty challenges, but when I'm confronting you, these confrontations are for your good. And when you respond to them rightly and when you begin to have the, uh, uh, you know, introspect yourself and begin to have a fear of God, you're going to receive a blessing. Test and see, try and see, return to me and see. Oh, they were robbing God in their tithes and offerings. And not only that, go on to verses 13 to 15. You have said harsh things against me, says the Lord. Yet you ask, what have we said against you? You have said it is futile to serve God. Oh, he's speaking on everything they have said. Everything they have said. You have said it is futile to serve God. What did we gain by carrying out his requirements and going about like mourners before the Lord Almighty? In verse 15, but now we call the arrogant blessed. Certainly the evildoers prosper, even those who challenge God escape Oh, they're saying, we've been so good. We've, it's been futile serving God. We've been faithfully serving the Lord. We've been so good. We've been so faithful. We've been giving our offerings. We've been giving, you know, uh, the sacrifices. We've been bringing the lambs. We've been uh, coming to the temple. We've been crying and wailing and, wailing and weeping and praying. What way have we done wrong? This is a very blasphemous thing. They said it is futile to serve God. It is outright blasphemy. They literally bashed God. They shot him down. They thought that they could prevail by saying all kinds of things. In spite of God's unconditional love. In spite of he being sovereign and sovereignly making a choice on them, the people of Israel, while he loved Jacob and hated Esau and sovereignly chose them, while he has the power to punish the wicked. As the almighty God, they failed to look up to him and realize and fear him. They failed to look in to their own faults, look inward and introspect their own lives and come into a transformed life. They failed to fear him. In spite of all these wrongdoings, they had no fear of God. These, the lack of fear of God has led them into all of these things. And the increase of all of these wrongdoings continue to take away the fear of God from their lives. Sometimes our biggest mistake is this. We focus on our unfortunate situations and our circumstances and fail to account for our own failures. We focus on the unfortunate circumstances of our lives and fail to account of our own sinful deeds. Are you with me this morning? That's exactly what we're reading. Summary of the whole thing. We feel, we, we become desperate. We are sad. We become heartbroken. We are wondering, we are questioning. We are thinking, where is God? Why is God doing this? Why has God allowed all of this? What is wrong with me? In what way have I done any injustice? What is the use of serving God? I have been weeping and wailing. I have been praying. I have been offering the sacrifice. I have been going to the temple. I have done it all right. We have all done it right. 
we keep justifying the mistake is we focus on our unfortunate situations and our own and our own pain and problems and crisis and needs we look at our husband or probably look at our wife or look at our children or look at our jobs or look at our financial situations we look at our health conditions we look at the disturbances that go on in our lives we look at the troubles that we face in our life and we we feel about our unfortunate condition we begin to focus on them and fail to confront ourselves and call to account our own sinful deeds and in turn we begin questioning him and saying everything that we feel like saying we just let our mouths go loose thoughtlessly fearlessly this is what was going on with the people of israel it's time we look in and introspect into our own lives look within look up first look in next god continues to reach out the beautiful thing in this whole thing is that god is continuing to reach out to the people even though he knows that they have failed him the very fact that he is again speaking through a prophet is that god is reaching out to them hallelujah hallelujah god is raising all of these objections calling them to account but it, this itself is the grace of god hallelujah what if god just shut his mouth and just let his fury and his wrath come upon them what do you think would have happened but god doesn't just do that he's still reaching out he's still calling them he's calling them to fear him he's saying the fear of god is going to fall on the nations even beyond the borders of israel he says my name is to be feared among the nations he says in every place incense and pure offerings will be brought to my name because my name will be great among the nations his name is to be honored his name is to be exalted he is to be feared and to fear him is to walk in his ways hallelujah to fear him means to walk in his ways and so these are the areas we need to look in this morning have we been irreverential to god have we disobeyed him have we been cynical looking at the things of god and saying is this all worthwhile have we been hypocritical have we been offending god's law and been partial have we intermarried with the cultures of the pagans of the world have we given ourselves to divorce have we been indifferent to god have we been robbing god have we been blaspheming god and saying things what we should not say are we focusing on our unfortunate circumstances and failing to call to account our own lives are we failing to confront ourselves sometimes even after all the good that god does in our lives we can still fail to confront ourselves and turn back to him and fail to fear him again there was a preacher who went to pray for a woman and she was his neighbor and so happened that um she was in a dying condition and this neighbor who is now in a dying condition in the hospital at icu uh used to call um the preacher's family as a 
you know family from uh, heaven neighbors from heaven and and so this preacher said uh, let's go and visit her and the family said she's thinking she's dying and so the preacher and his wife went to the icu and so for the one last time he thought he would tell her you know we are here your neighbors from heaven have come he shouted in the icu and she was in a sinking stage and probably in a uh, half sedation or something like that and his wife nudged and said we are in icu you don't make noise you don't shout like that but he just boldly went ahead and said we are the neighbors from heaven we've come to pray for you and he began to say the lord's prayer he said our father who art in heaven hallowed be your name thy kingdom come and thy will be done and while he was just halfway through that prayer when he just said that thy kingdom come thy will be done this woman revived and sat up she was healed instantaneously hallelujah so the preacher in this message was describing the story and then just soon after this after describing this he said now this this woman is back home oh that's wonderful and the crowd cheered thousands of people in that auditorium cheered when they heard the story being told by this preacher and the next reaction or the next uh, expression that i saw on this preacher was uh, he hit his hand on his forehead and he said but the woman is still unsaved while the crowd was cheering because the woman sat up at this miracle while he said this lord's prayer he hit his fa- hand on the face and said she's still unsaved what's the point of this miracle what good has this miracle done in her life what impact has it made simply nothing still no fear of god she hit rock bottom she went down to the valley of the shadow of death she could have lost her life she could have gone to eternal damnation in hell she could be spending right now her life in hell with weeping and gnashing of teeth worms were all over her body eating her up the guilt and the shame of her sinful life you know catching up and tormenting her day and night the demons of hell giving her the company but this woman is still unsaved and that's how we can go in our lives without a turn around without fearing god but yet all the miracles continue to happen the more the miracles the more we got to fear him the more the answer to prayers the more we got to fear him we can't take him for granted amen hallelujah the more his love is extended to us the more his grace the more of his protection the more of the changes and the transformation that has come into your life in your family the more good things that are happening in your life no more the blessings come the more the houses come the more the you know facilities come the more the blessings the incomes come the more we got to fear him every now and then look in and see is there any unclean thing in me and as we sang that song give us clean hands give us pure hearts amen that's what we got to be singing that should be our song every day give us clean hands give us pure hearts quickly number 3 the good news is god wants us to look ahead hallelujah to fear him look ahead with hope this is a very prophetic passage in malachi chapter 4 Malachi 4 is a prophetic passage. Malachi 4 verse 1. The judgment of the arrogant and the evil doer is mentioned there. Surely the Lord is coming. The day of the Lord is coming. 
it will burn like a furnace all the arrogant and the evil doers will be subtle sorry stubble and that day is coming and will set them on fire says the lord almighty not a root or a branch will be left to them that's a judgment on the arrogant and the evil doer verses 2 and 3 but for you who revere my name the son of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings and you will go out with and leap like calves released from the stall this is the justice of god the son of righteousness the righteous god the one who brings wrath on the ungodly will bring wrath and the fire of god will quench evil the evil doers will be punished for their sins and wickedness the son of righteousness will rise and all the hurt and the pain that has been caused in our lives because of the evil doers because of the wicked because of the sinful because of the evil and the unjust things they have done all the suffering that we've been through god is going to bring justice the son of righteousness will righteousness will rise and he will bring healing in our hearts hallelujah he will heal us this is what god will do when we look ahead amen praise the lord when we look ahead and then verse 5 and 6 see i will send you the prophet elijah before that great and dreadful day of the lord comes he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to the fathers or else i will come and strike the land with a curse he's going to send prophet elijah and here's the one who's coming in the spirit of elijah and that is the last of the old testament prophets which is John the Baptist John the Baptist comes in the spirit of Elijah and he is calling people to repentance and calling the fathers to the children the children to the fathers he's turning their hearts bringing about a restoration the fire of god comes and quenches all the evil and the evil workers and the evil doers and they will be made stubble they will not be able to continue in their sin anymore and god is doing justice for us and he will bring healing into our hearts when he does judgment executes judgment and through that he brings a restoration in our lives a reconciliation that restores the blessings of god upon our lives he's going to restore as he will come and strike the land with a curse but thank god john the baptist came and then comes he is a forerunner to jesus and jesus comes and does the work of redemption and the people of israel turn to the lord some do most of them don't and so in ad 70 city of jerusalem was demolished by empress emperor titus history says that but now the nations have begun to revere his name hallelujah the nations have begun to revere his name the pagan nations the gentile nations we who are gentiles non jewish people we've begun to revere his name and to fear the lord we need to come back and have that holy fear of god looking ahead with hope that god is going to restore our lives that god will do justice that god will do bring healing into our lives that god will deal with the oppressors that god will deal with the unjust god will deal with the unrighteous god will do justice for us with that assurance with that confidence with that hope let us begin to fear the lord hallelujah and begin to come back to be restored back to him the closing he's calling for the restoration he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children hearts of the children to the fathers there will be a restoration god will bring about a reconciliation do you believe that god is able to reconcile people amen do you believe that god is able to restore relationships 
Amen. God is able to. It just takes a moment for God to break the hardest heart. It just takes a moment for God to break even the worst sinner. The adamant, the unyielding, the rebellious, the stiff-necked, he will break. He broke down Pharaoh and his army. <laughs> even after all the firstborn in Egypt was killed, he still became defiant and came back saying, oh, we are losing the slaves. The slave workers are going. Low-cost employees are leaving. <laughs> he became adamant and he became stiff-necked again. But God came after him again and again. However far he could go, he went down to the bottom of the sea and God caught him there right in the middle of that ocean and brought the waters back and drowned Pharaoh and his armies in the middle of the ocean. That's what God is able to do when he executes justice and righteousness. He will do it even if it takes to open up the sea and close it back. Hallelujah. God will do justice even if it takes for him to open up the sea and close it again. God will do it. On one side, it was a way of deliverance for the people of Israel. On, on the other side, it was a way that God lured them to the middle of the ocean. They have no place for running back. <laughs> they couldn't get back out of it. God is able to do that. And so God brings healing into our hearts. God brings healing into our lives. If you've been, you know, troubled, if you've been oppressed, if you've been in pain, if you've been suffering, if you've been asking those questions and if you've been wondering what's going on in my life, God will bring healing. God will bring the answers. God will do justice. God will show forth that he's a son of righteousness. He will rise up on your behalf. And he will restore our lives. He will restore our lives. And so with confidence, with hope, we can look ahead. But as we look up and realize that he is a God of unconditional love. And he's sovereign over our lives. And he's the almighty God who does justice for us. And while we look in and introspect and repent. And while we look ahead with hope that God will do these things for us. Let's continue to fear him. And let the fear of God rise up within us. Like never before. God is calling us to fear him once again. And to live with a holy fear. There's a beautiful verse in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 7 in closing. Let's read this in closing. Hebrews 11 and verse 7. By faith Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. By his faith he condemned the world and became heir of righteousness that comes by faith. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, he didn't say, oh, what is this God? Oh, it's all futile serving him. Oh, when is the rain going to come? What is the ship he's asking me to build? This is not going to do any good. He didn't say anything. He didn't question God. He, wouldn't, he didn't question the voice of God. But when warned about things not yet seen in holy fear, Today, God is warning about things not yet seen. We yet have not seen any destruction or his wrath upon our lives. We have not seen anything at all. If anything of that had come, we wouldn't have survived. We wouldn't even be alive today. We haven't seen anything. But God is warning us of things not yet seen. 
when he was warned about things not yet seen in holy fear he built an ark to his save his family you got to get involved in building an ark for yourself and your family build an ark amen hallelujah it's time that we build an ark for ourselves and our family where we can be saved and the ark himself itself is the presence of god represents the presence of god hallelujah they were carried in that ark they were saved because of the ark hallelujah remember professionals built the titanic amateurs built the ark amen you can you can you can build an ark for yourself and your family and you can be saved by that ark god is able to save you by that as you pursue the presence of god as you live by the fear of god in holy fear as you live in holy fear not terror that's the difference between fear and terror fear of god is a healthy respect and a reverence that comes out of a love for god by his faith he condemned the world and became heir of righteousness that comes by faith in holy fear fervently he condemned the world he didn't want to conform to the pattern of this world today the order of the day is to conform <laughs> but god wants us to be reformed the world the order of the day in the world is to conform if you don't conform you know you would not be accepted and the fear of rejection makes us to conform compels us pressurizes us to conform the fear of rejection we fear men rather than fearing god the fear of what society will say what people will think about us what will they comment about us the fear of what impression that we will leave in their minds take hold of us that's the fear of man the fear of man will become a snare for us the bible says the fear of man is a snare it's a trap we will fall in it it will make us to fall but let's fear god above fearing man let's hold on to the word of god more than holding on to words of man amen hallelujah we're not living for others and their opinions and what impressions we will just create in their lives and so we don't have to conform for that sake god wants us to be reformed and be transformed into the image of his son jesus christ hallelujah amen hallelujah god wants us to just fear him this morning and so stop focusing in conclusion i'll close with this stop focusing on the unfortunate circumstances stop focusing on the unfortunate circumstances that are going on in your life look up to him realize that he loves you unconditionally that he's made a sovereign choice over your life that he's the almighty god start accounting and repenting for your own sinful deeds look in start accounting and repenting for your own sinful deeds look inward introspect repent step out with hope look ahead step out with hope look ahead hallelujah amen praise the lord let's pray this morning and let's sing that song give us clean hands give us pure hearts hallelujah let us not lift our soul to another for god let us be a generation that will seek your face a generation that will seek your face oh god of jacob hallelujah
and truly what a prophetic song this morning is he jacob have i loved god said that's what he begins with the holy spirit is speaking to us the holy spirit is ministering to us let's focus in word this morning and look to the lord and pray and ask the lord hallelujah lord help me jesus hallelujah praise jesus thank you lord shall we just close our eyes and pray and ask the lord if there is anything in the reflection of god's word that we need to surrender we need to change we need to be transformed hallelujah